What an awesome privilege it is this morning on this beautiful Lord's Day. And I want to, most of you know we're in the book of Acts. This is a fun chapter because the book of Acts allows you to see the church in action. It lets you see the good, great picture of the church. It, 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 gets to, it lets you see what Jesus did and the, uh, and the things that he uh, gave us the responsibility or the privilege of doing. And Jesus was the greatest illustrator. He was the greatest minister. He was the greatest teacher. He was the greatest example. And I'm glad I have a heavenly father today that still cares. I, I think about the days that Jesus spent uh, with the disciples before he, he left this world. And he said something that we're going to relate to this morning. He said something about something about something that I dislike wholeheartedly, and that's the word wait. I hate waiting. Have you ever been in the <laughs> in the line to check out the grocery store, or you've been in the line at the at Walmart, and the people got out their checkbook, and then they didn't even have a pen. Write the check. And then you're waiting and you're entertaining the thoughts. They knew they were going to write a check. They knew they needed a check, but why didn't they think of the pen? Let me get a little closer to home. How many have gone to the drive-up one to the bank? And you've always programmed, that's just for convenience. That's not the day to ask for a loan or to check to see if, how much you need to deposit for an overdraft. And the conversation goes on, and the drawer opens three or four times, and, and you think, why didn't you go inside? This is a convenience. And if you hadn't been at home, you'd have just laid down on the horn and expressed your... <laughs> I know, aren't you glad these things happen at home? The expression, the flesh was going on. The flesh was like, I don't like to wait. Many people have said this, including your pastor, waiting is just not my cup of tea. I need to tell you, patience is a virtue, and I'm really short there this morning, but thank God he has us all in progress. We're work in progress. Nobody's got there yet. We're still work in progress, and we will be till Jesus comes. Amen. But let me ask you, how many will just be honest today? Don't raise your hand, but how many will just be honest with me? Uh, you're a little bit impatient like the pastor. I see a few smiles. I don't like traffic. I don't like people who hug the left lane. They've got signs that people can't read, don't hog the left lane. The people can't even read, slower traffic, stay to the right. And then somebody's driving a putt-putt, 55 mile an hour and a 70 mile an hour, and you're stretching it, and you run up behind him, and he doesn't act like he sees you. And you get just as close as you can to him, and he still don't look to see who it is. I don't like traffic. I don't even like getting on an airplane. You wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. And then they've got this classification, A, B, C, and D. And then they'll ask, well, when they get ready to board the plane, and say, everybody that has a Class A boarding ticket, will you come and, and get in line? And you have to sit. You're getting on the same plane. They go through that. And then Class B, they get on, on, uh, on the plane, Class C, and then they finally get to you. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait. And you know what? You paid the same price for your ticket as a person that had the Class A boarding pass. But you're waiting. You're waiting. 
A couple was at the airport one day. They, were, they had got there early. They were the first ones there, knowing that they would get a Class A boarding pass. And they, they, they got ready to board the plane, and they were the first in line. And the whole waiting area was full. It was a big plane, and they were ready to board. And, and the lady who was going to take the boarding passes said to them, would you, would you please step aside uh, for just a few moments? Un, un, unreal. Unreal. They were the first ones there. So they pleasantly stepped aside, doing their best to be fake <laughs> and act like it was no deal. And she said, will all the boarding pass A please get in line? They loaded all with a boarding pass B. Would you get in line? They loaded, and the steam was rolling out of their ears as she said, Class C and then Class D. How, how irritating could a person be when they were there first ready to board, and they wound up getting on last. Well, it was time for them to give that lady a cup of tea. <laughs> Being godly people, <laughs> they didn't say it. They just felt like it. The lady says, now, will you please board? The last to go on before the door is shut. And when they stepped their feet in the plane, the stewardess was there and said, we have upgraded your class, and you'll be seating, setting in, in the special area for the updated people with a class, boarding class. What's that called? First class. They're frustrating. Turn to joy. I'm telling you, you could never, ever thought that they had an unholy thought. They just took it. But inwardly, <laughs> and we won't go there. We've all been there, haven't we? Maybe you're at the place that you don't even like to wait for somebody to write a check. Why don't they just flip out that credit card? It'll be a lot quicker. Well, <laughs> there's something on the horizon, an opportunity that's set before all of us. It's something you're excited about, something you've been waiting for. You just want to get to work. Let me ask you this morning, how many doers do we have in the building this morning? You might not have been told all the instruction, but you just want to get out there and let's get that job done. A few of us. Leave instructions to the guy behind me. Let's just get to work. Let's, let's get to work. I don't have all day. Let's just get it done. We label those people as doers. Just let me tell you what to do. Just tell me. Just tell me what you want me to do and get out of my way because I'm going to help get that job done what I don't like in those times is wait I thought we were called to get this job done in Acts chapter 1 verses 12 through 16 the people had been waiting for Jesus a way way back here we go we'll do the whole Bible in a minute God made us we sinned against him death came to human history a promise was made that Jesus was coming Genesis 3 Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. How long did they have to wait for Jesus to come? A couple of thousand years. That's a long wait for me. I don't know about you. You may have a lot of patience, but that's a long wait. Then Jesus comes, lives without sin. He dies for sin. He was raised from the dead. We see the opening pages of Acts that he appeared for 40 days, evidencing his resurrection. And he told them, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the othermost ends of the world. 
I've got a global mission. I've called you to something huge for you to do. You've been waiting for thousands of years. Now go tell everybody that I've come, and then you're going to wait. Wait? <laughs> we waited 2,000 years. We paid the price. We're ready to go. Even in the time of Jesus, it was hard to wait. Jesus gives them the whole purpose of their existence. You're going to glorify me. You're going to be my witnesses in the world. But first, wait until I send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to empower you with my presence to be on my mission for the glory of God. But you've got to wait. What do you do while you're waiting? How many of you do as I have done? You just plow forward even though your body's standing still. Your mind is working. You can hardly wait till the chute opens. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to get this figured out. When the, when the whistle blows, I'm, I'm going to be ready to go. I'm going to know what to do when I get there. And maybe you've gone on before the whistle is blown, and then after you make a mess, you know you've done wrong, and you have to go back and fix it. That's a painful trip. I want to say something about Michael's dad this morning. He was not only a business partner, he was my wife's uncle. Anything that was hers was mine except money. And uh, we are not going there this morning. But C.A. had this, C.A. had this motto. If it's worth doing, why don't you do it right the first time instead of having to take the time to do it second to get it right? I want you to look at this facility this morning. He not only put this building on paper, and when he sent it to the people in Arkansas with a, the architect, the architect called CA, and he said, there's no need of me wasting my time. You've done it right. Not only was it, not only was it a privilege to walk around this facility, but I'll never forget the day that the beams were all up. The braces were all in place. One brace in this area was about three inch longer, and it was because of just a little bit of, of maybe a half inch here and a half inch in other places. There was a slight trimming on one side of these braces, about three inches, but they all fit. The decking went on. The last piece of the decking, we started at the edge day by day, day by day, day by day, until one day the last part of the deck was on. And the great confidence that I had was there was a man on board of the ship that I was traveling on that knew how to do it right. right. Listen, God puts people in our pathway every day that know how to do it right. Yeah. I'm not the captain of the ship. Thank God the Lord is the captain of the ship. But I'm telling you, he knows to put people alongside of us, just like Jesus did on the day of Pentecost. He, the church consisted of about 120 people, and he gathered that church aside, and he said, I'm going to endue you with power from on high, but you've got to wait for it. Can't you see Billy Bob saying, I've witnessed before, I don't need more power. The first door he knocks on, the door slams in his face, and he says something besides, gee whiz, because he wasn't empowered with the planet Jesus had. I want to talk to you about something that's very important to you and I as a church this morning. 
I love the unity that we have in our congregation this morning. But can I say this? Unity follows prayer. What are we going to do? You know, the biggest mission, the biggest mission to the, the 120 was that, that God's people had been waiting for thousands of years. The purpose that he had, the provision that he made, and they waited and waited, and Jesus has risen from the dead. He's ready to tell them to go reach the world, and then they've got to wait. And while they are waiting, there's something going on inside. And that's the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that deals with all of us. None of us are perfect. We've all been called, not to the same job, but God has called us on purpose for the purpose that he has, and that's being a witness. It's about him. It's about his, 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 his responsibility on the wor- in the world, and he's chosen you and I to be a part of that. In Acts chapter 1, verse 12, it, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Let me just say here, every name that has been named was one of the 12 that he had chose to be in leadership. There was one name, though, that not everybody wore, more than one wore, but it was the name of Judas. I'm sure those that had names like Judas that wasn't the treasure wish their name could have been Leroy or Sammy or in something more than just the word Ju- Judas. But during the day when Jesus had called them to, to wait, there was one that had made bad decisions. There was one by the name of Judas that had betrayed not only Jesus, but the other people that had a name by, by Judas. And what were they to do? They were called, called to be the disciples of Jesus. I can only imagine as that group was getting acquainted with other members of the church. I can only imagine those other people that bear the name Judas. It wasn't a real upstanding name. And when people would say, uh, uh, what's your name? And I'm sure they'd rather said anything besides Judas. But when they spoke their name, can you just see, I've heard about you. Oh, no, 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 don't get me wrong. My name may be Judas, but I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I'm not the the betrayer. But think about the things that they carried because of somebody else's mistake. Think of some, it could have been them, it wasn't. Jesus had called Judas as one of the twelve which is a great example to all of us. No matter what responsibility God has called us to, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's a reason, and many times we've heard this, even from our church world. I may have, done, I may have sinned, but I've never done it that bad. Well, Jesus says, if you broke one of the commandments, you broke them all. Right. Well, we don't like to hear that, do we? <laughs> We like to categorize, well, I may have stretched the truth, but I haven't lied. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, 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 haven't, I haven't committed adultery, but I cheated a little on my income tax. <laughs> I, I haven't lied. I just didn't tell all the story. 
no matter who we are, no matter what we do, there have been times when we, the Bible says we've all fell short of the glory of God. Everybody take a deep breath. There's nobody here this morning that hasn't come short of the glory of God. All of the 120 were in one accord. They were devoting themselves to prayer together with women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, rises, raises. And she's part of the 120. Jesus had died for their sins. Jesus had rose from the dead. Jesus had appeared to them 40 days, proving that he was the one, the Christ that had died on the cross. And then the big commission to the history of the world is revealed. Jesus gives them the commission that day, and he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit's power. And in that time, the three things are good patterns for us to learn from today. They gathered together, all 120, the whole church gathered together. The whole church gathered together. There's something about gathering that makes a church family. There's something about being a part. When, when the response comes to a need that's been made known, there's nothing like having a good response. When we come to church, it's always good to have a great response. It's good for you to be here. It's, it's not so good when you, we miss you, but it's great that when you're here. And we all have Sundays and times that we take off. But there's nothing about the gathering. There's going to be a gathering one day called the church. The trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. There's going to be a gathering like there's never, never been before. And the people that you've been a witness to that's represented the witness of Jesus Christ are going to gather with us, those that have given their hearts and their life to Jesus because he's used you to touch them in order to get them ready to go there. And this is why we call you and myself the church. It's our call, our responsibility is to get people ready for the Lord. And people say, well, I, I'm just not good at being a witness. Yes, you are. You can be as good as you want to be. Well, I just don't have the ability to speak. I just don't, I just don't have the testimony that others have. I wasn't sick at the point of death and God raised me from the dead. I haven't been broke and then one day money just came in and met my needs. Let me tell you something. You still have a witness. <laughs> have you ever heard this? Action. <laughs> oh, come on, help me. <laughs> yes. Help me. Yes. Speaks louder than... Oh, you're a good congregation. You, whether you know it or not, you're preaching every day. Whether you know it or not, you're speaking volumes every day as a Christian. You're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. He's called us and he gave us the great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And it's not always from these two lips, even though it can be. It's the expression that the world knows us by. And the Bible says, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you... Oh, come on. Love one another. Next time you treat me that way, I'm going to call Redinger Funeral Home. <laughs> come on, you, we need to be excited about the Great Commission. We've got something to say. Jesus came to this world. He, he spent 
30 years preparing for a three-year ministry. They crucified him between two thieves. He died on the cross. He shed his blood to wash away our sins. They put him in a borrowed tomb. Three days he rose from the dead. Forty days he spent showing himself infallible through the infallible proof. He had the prince in his hand. He had the place in his side that was had been pierced with a sword. His brow had not totally healed from the crown of thorns he wore. And because he lives... You can live also. There's a way that seems right to man, but the ways thereof are death. God has chosen you, and he's ordained you. Let me ask you, how are we doing today? Well, I remember when the preacher didn't do it right, and he talks about his speeding all the time. That's right, I'm not there yet. But you sure wouldn't have liked me when Mama was turning me over her knee. Boy, if you only knew where I came from, you'd have greater respect for me. I was raised with deacon's kids. <laughs> lady made a mistake in Midway one day in the, in the ladies' Bible class, and she asked this question. And my mother was a whole lot like some other members of my family. They didn't stutter when they answered a question. This lady says, let me ask you this question. Why are the preacher's kids always honored than the deacon's kids? My mother was Johnny on the spot. She said, it's because of the kids that they hang out with, mainly the deacon's kids. <laughs> Mom, I love you. You didn't always take up for me, but boy, you made a home run that day. Gathering, gathering. And you know what? We put emphasis on crowds. You know what Jesus says? Where two or three are gathered in my name. We can't have, we can't have the big televangelists today. If you'd call them, they'd ask you the first one of the first questions they asked one day when I was wanting to, to, to bring in a, a person I really liked. He had a really way. He wasn't as near up the ladder as he is now. But the first question his receptionist said, Pastor White, will your facility seat 5,000 people? And I said, no, it won't. She said, well, I'm very sorry. She said, we're not reaching out to anything smaller than uh, a seating area of 5,000 people. I said, thank you. Thank you for your time. You know, God is just thrilled when two or three get together. He doesn't wait for the big crowds to show up. He says, yeah, he's here this morning. Three people woke up without me asking you to elbow your neighbor and tell them I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. No, we don't gather to talk about politics, even though we slip a little now and then. We don't gather to talk about the weather, even though we talk about it now and then. We're gathered for one purpose, and that is to exalt the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sins of this world. We're here to pray for one another that we can be converted. We're here to lift up the brokenhearted. We're here to set the captives free. We're here to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, no matter how it looks. And praying brings on unification. They're gathered in the upper room. This is a flat top home on top of those other houses that have been built. A pretty simple structure. This is where you can have guests stay when they can't stay at the Hampton. You don't mind renting it out because it's not a pot, it doesn't have posh conditions. They tended to be in a place where the poor probably would rent. Think about it. You're on top of the roof. You're baking. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. It's not a lavish-funded early ministry church. And they're meeting in the upper room because the Lord had told them to wait. 
You know, sometimes it messes up our hair in a royal condition, even as Christians, even as men in the ministry. Sometimes we, if I wasn't in the pulpit, I'd say sometimes we get our bowels in an uproar, but I'm not going to say it today. <laughs> we just get our hair messed up sometimes, don't we? Yes. Yes. Well, they only knew how upset I got at times. By the way, Carolyn deserves a roses. She's heard uh, the roar more than once. They're gathered in the upper room. We're not sure which upper room they were meeting. It may have been the upper room where Jesus convened with the twelve for the Last Supper. They meet also in the upper room. It might have been, might have been the same place. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say so. But they're gathered together. And they keep gathering. I want you to see that we do the same thing. We gather in bigger groups on Sunday. We gather in smaller groups called community groups or Bible classes through the week on weekends, on Sunday nights. If God's people are to be gathered together, we're there to learn, we're to share, and to encourage. We're here, we, we open up smaller groups so those that don't feel comfortable and, and with big groups don't have an excuse, but they can gather together and feel the fun and the fellowship that we enjoy as a church family. Here's what we read in verse 15. 120 people were the first church. Here's what's interesting. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to summarize it for you this morning. It says, when Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to the crowds of people, upwards of 500 at one time. He did so. Acts chapter 1 tells us, of course, 40 days, small groups and large groups gathered. What does it mean a thousand of, pe of people saw Jesus ra being raised from the dead? How many people joined the early church and gathered on the day that Jesus asked them not to depart from Jerusalem? Bible history said there was over 500 to heard him. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Return to the upper room. 120 out of that kind of congregation chose to wait. That means there are thousands of people who saw Jesus raised from the dead and they still didn't join the church. Some would say, well, I'm not a Christian because I'm not, I don't have enough evidence. Listen, even those that had evidence of Jesus being the one who was crucified were unwilling to turn from sin, trust in him, and join the church. Get a load of that. Jesus had risen. He had proved himself. Listen, it's not always the mind that's unconvinced. But it's the heart that's a big issue. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Things have not changed today. Jesus rises from the dead. We see him only, for, only a few of them uh, that followed him saw him that day. But we, see, we witness his presence nearly every time we come to the church. We witness his presence. We witness the the ability we have to love one another and to accept each other for who they are. And, and we, we are convicted many times of things that we should be doing that we're not doing. And in community groups, we encourage those that are not joining us on Sunday morning to join a youth uh, a community group and be a part of us. You know? I think about the 120 people that Jesus spoke to. They did not have a GPS. They didn't have an airline to board so they could go another, to another part of the country. 
for the most part of that 120, they probably never did get more than 20 miles from home base. But they weren't wasting their time. They were investing their time in prayer. And the Bible puts it this way, devoting themselves to prayer. Prayer precedes doing. I want to close with these few thoughts this morning. Don't grow I want you to see that praying precedes doing. And what tends to happen in Christianity is there are prayers and then there are doers. And the church needs both. The doers just go to work. They show up when, when the sled is, has to be moved and there's no snow to move it on. And when we make a mistake, <laughs> we pray things like this. Sorry about that. I'll do better next time. Well, there's three of us that know that feeling. I'll fix it. Go on home. It'll be different when you come back. And then we have those that are prayer warriors. This is not, my health won't allow me to be there today, but I'll be praying. It was a privilege. Not I, I just can't tell you what it, it was a privilege. There were about three widow ladies that sat in this section 30 years ago. And I'll never forget them because of their testimony. More than one time when I'd come to church, they would say, Pastor, I couldn't sleep last night. But I'll tell you what I did. I spent a night just praying for you and your family. I don't know what you're going through or what you have need of, but Pastor, I just want you to know God heard my prayers because I, I, I spent that night. I didn't, I didn't waste my time wadding up that pillow trying to find a comfort place. I found my comfort in praying for you. Boy, I want to tell you something. If that won't send you home to the closet of prayer and ask God to make you a better pastor, nothing will. How many people you know today spend all night praying for you? Well, you're justified. I just never was on. I mean, you can say I never was as honored as a preacher. It's okay. I believe in justification. But I also believe in there's an anointing that comes. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Has the water always been sweet? No, it hasn't. But it didn't give me a, a, the ability to quit. It just kept, I just kept on drinking from the fountain until there came a time in my life when the sweetness and the fragrance of the Holy Spirit empowered me to rise up with wings as eagles to run and not be weary and to walk and not faint. I want to tell you something, church. If he can do that for me, he wants to do it for you too. Don't fold your arms and look at me like you're not a candidate. I'm telling you, God wants to walk into your house today, and he wants to give you a double portion of what you ever had. And you may justify yourself. I'm, I'm telling you, the church isn't what it need, used to be. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. But God is getting ready to say, it's all over. The trumpet's about to sound. Let me ask you, dude, would you like for him to find you full of the Holy Spirit, empowered, giving people a witness of Jesus Christ? Or had you rather just be a mediocre person singing, Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. What's the next verse? Oh, come on. The future's not mine. To see, thank you, Sherry. Roy, was that you? Okay, Sarah. You know what Sarah means? Lost you, you know what's wrong with me? I don't either. I hate to put myself in your category. But. Bill, what does Sarah mean? Oh. 
whatever. Yeah, I know whatever means. But maybe Syrah is just a landing place for, for whatever. <laughs> Prayer changes us. Michael stirred something, something in my spirit two Sundays ago that I haven't forgotten. Michael, we're getting ready to have prayer services on Sunday morning. He said, most of the issues could be solved at an altar of prayer. Thank you for waking up my spirit, Michael. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, we all have a purpose. Before you leave here this morning, I'm praying God show you the purpose because we're here on purpose for his purpose. But as we close this morning, I just want to leave this thought with you. They were in one accord, one heart, one mind. And he had asked them to have prayer. He wanted them to pray because he knew prayer would do something that only prayer could accomplish. And while many times we pray, Lord, would you, would you just heal my body? Or Lord, would you just meet my financial need? Or Lord, you see that person that is at odds with me? Would you just... Would you just do something for them? And here's what he wants me to say. He wants me to tell you he talks to me just like he wants to talk to you. It's not them that I want to change. It's you. Now this is really meddling this morning. When we begin to pray for somebody, when we begin to pray for issues, when we begin to pray for the things that's really not right, the shoe's not really fitting me, and sometimes we justify, well, I didn't do anything to bring this on. I can't understand if God's such a big God and a good God, why this would come my way. God's saying, it's not the situation you're facing, it's a mountain. I want to change you. There's a song, I, I can't play it yet, I'm working on it but we're going to be using it to close the service with change my heart oh God may I be like you change my heart oh God may it ever be true you are the father you are the potter I'm the clay mold me and make me this is what I pray change my heart oh God make it ever true change my heart oh God may I be like would you stand while I'm sitting today? Thank you. Thank you for standing. As you bow your head this morning. And you join your pastor today. I pray this prayer nearly every week. And sometimes it isn't for the outside world. Let me just be honest with you. Sometimes it's just between me and my companion. Oh, oh, I didn't intend to go there this morning. Sometimes it's not the odds between us and somebody we work with. Sometimes it's just the odds at the house. And sometimes we're just at odds with ourselves. But in a moment of, as we close the service this morning, I want to ask you today, 
What is the greatest element in your life that you've asked the Lord to help you with? And if you haven't asked yourself this question, I want you to ask yourself the question this morning. What is there in my life that I would love the Lord to help me with in the process of changing? And as you, as you meditate for a moment, remember, prayer changes things, but the biggest thing it usually changes is me. If it works for me, then it works for you. I think today as we reflect upon where America is and the, the controversy we have in politics, it's nothing, it's nothing more than a lesson to show us that politics doesn't work anymore. People are at odds with each other. People think nothing about putting other people down. It's, it's a horrible picture to look at because on our, on our coins today, it says one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. It doesn't say all of that. But it says in God we trust, which means the rest of it. But I'm going to talk to the church this morning. What's he saying? What's he wanting us to do? How's he wanting us to change our witness? And the Bible says this, let a man examine himself. So this is our benediction this morning. If you're here and you want special prayer, please don't leave. I'm going to stay at the front of the building instead of going to the door this morning. I think there's refreshments prepared when you go to the foyer. But I want to close with this benediction. And if you need support for your prayer today, if there's something in your life that God is talking to you about, He's dealing with you about, and you want me to join with you in prayer, don't leave, but come forward, and I'll join you in prayer. Father, what a joy it is today to know that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What an honor it is to know that we can put every need in your hands. Your hands are always bigger than our needs. And we can trust you with all of our heart. Lord, we don't have to try to figure things out. You've already got them figured out. Lord, there are those this morning that have made have worked a lifetime trying to put it together. And they're weary and heavy laden. But you didn't leave them out. You beckoned them with these words, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, please don't leave. Please come forward and let me lead you in a sinner's prayer before you leave. This won't make you, this won't make you perfect. It'll just put you on the right way, on the right highway, so you can serve Jesus, so you'll know that your name's written in the book of life. Let's pray. Father, what a joy. What a joy it is this morning to expound on the Word of God and the book of Acts and what charged the church was that, was that anointing of the Holy Spirit. There was something that came forward, Lord, on the day of Pentecost. Every man spoke different languages, which was a sound from heaven. And those, those languages were clothed with fire, and that fire set upon each of them. And they were gloriously, wondrously filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, my prayer is a shepherd of the, not only this church, but as a shepherd of our community today. Lord, I, my prayer is, Lord, empower me so that I'll have the ability to lay hands on those that need empowerment. Then this gift will go, Lord, and reach beyond my ability. And that person will reach their friends. And their friends will reach their friends. Lord, this is how the gospel is preached. 
by all of us. Father, I just thank you on this beautiful Father's Day for the gift of God that you've given to each one of us and the opportunity we've been given to, to represent a kingdom that never fails. All the praise goes to you in Jesus' precious name. And all the God's family said, Amen. God bless.